the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We all feel offended at times. The danger is when we hold on to it and view everything done by the person who offended us only through the lens of that hurt. We think they should have known better or at least apologized, but much of the time, people are not even aware that they offended us. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. I've learned when someone does something insensitive to me to ask them about it on the spot. And if for some reason this is not wise, I go to them privately, but as as soon as possible. My worst response is just to brood over it or start to talk to others about the person, but never allow the person to correct themselves or explain. One writer says, only cowards hide behind silence. Sometimes the reason we are so bitter is not because of what people have done, but because of our own lack of courage to speak up when it happened. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. That's gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Let's get started. Father, I thank you that you hear our prayers. I thank you that you hear our cries. I thank you that you are here in our midst and you prepare a banquet table for us in the presence of our enemies. We come to feast on your Word. We come to be strengthened. You and we give you all the honor and all the glory through what you do in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in a familiar portion of scripture. When Pharaoh let the people go, God made a choice. He understands geography, he made the planet. God decided that he would not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. There are absolutely no shortcuts to the development of character. Just like, you know, you put a little jello in the refrigerator, you take it out too soon, all you have is kind of a nasty taste in Kool-Aid. There's no jiggle, no real form. It's just, you know. Many of us cry, God, take me out of this place sooner than you should. But God, you know, just like a a cake in an oven, you, you take it out before it rises. You have mush more than cake. Just like some of us are good bakers, others of us are good builders, God knows his trade just like we know ours. When it comes to people, he knows when to take us out and when to put us in. It says here that God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return 
to Egypt. If you're facing a major crisis in your life, it's because God thinks you're ready. May your crisis be a testament to where you are in the realm of God's spirit. May it be a testimony to the level of trust he has placed in the development of your character. God said, listen, if they face war, these folks aren't ready for real bloodshed. They're not ready to see their neighbor crying out in pain. They're not ready for arrows and spears to fly in their direction. You see, the short route to Canaan had a string of Egyptian fortresses along the way. And God recognized the present weakness of the people. And he decided, listen, I love you too much to let you go through what you're not ready for. So he decided, listen, I'm going to have you take the long way. But we cry, Lord, why is it taking so long? God, how could you do this for me? God's trying to protect your silly butt. And we need to let him protect because you're not ready. I know you think you're ready. But my kids thought they were ready to drive a car probably about six, seven, eight years old. They, they were convinced. They were ready. Daddy, I can do this thing. But they couldn't even see over the dashboard. They weren't ready. And I knew they weren't ready. For that reason, they didn't drive. And there's some things that God's not allowing you to step into. You say, well, God, why are you being so mean? He said, no, man, I'm protecting you from you. You with me? Exodus 13, 18. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. See, they didn't know the limits of their faith. And you know, when God does something great in our lives, gives us a word or revelation, we think we're ready to take, the, take on the world. Now, these folks were pumped. They were excited. But let me tell you something. A few days in the desert, deal with the desert sun, just a few days, and you will discover the true metal of your conviction. Are you hearing me? Now, they left there excited, but a couple days in the sun, things changed. It says in verse 20, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, in fact, let, let's go to Luke 8 and 13 really quick. Jesus is teaching his disciples in this passage. And he's saying, listen, the word of God is faithful. The word of God will always bear fruit. The problem is not the word of God. The issue is the hearts of men. So he likened men's heart to four different types of soils. And then he gets to the rocky soil and he makes this statement. He says, the seed that fell on rocky ground received the word with joy. They were excited when Bishop preached. They were excited when they opened the Bible and saw that word and God dropped it into their heart. They, they were really happy. They were, they were excited. They did a dance in that moment. They felt the Holy Spirit, if you will. They, they had a tingle go up their spine. They received the word with joy when they heard it. But the problem is they had no root. There's nothing wrong with excitement. But there is a problem with unrooted excitement, excitement that doesn't go deep enough, excitement that's only superficial. I get super excited in the presence of God, but my roots go super deep. Are you hearing me? Into his word, and into his person. He said they believe for a while. So, you know, they're excited for a couple days. They love Grace Church for, you know, a couple weeks until what? A time of testing until I preach that message that messes with your favorite sin. <laughs> until you, you finally you discover, listen, 
This pastor is going to let me sit on the sideline. Every Sunday, he's going to call me to service. He's going to call me to do something. He's going to call me to get involved. And in time of testing, what happens? They fall away. The children of Israel, they were excited. They were bold. And I could run through a tree, troop, leap over a wall. God, I'm ready. In a couple of days in the heat, you begin to see a difference. Exodus 3 and 20, 21. He says, by day the Lord went ahead of them. Many of us have a notion that Jesus came, left us a book, and we're on our own till we get to glory. So all he did was leave us a set of rules, and if we obey those rules, we'll make it in. But we don't realize he's an ever-present help. Ever-present means 24-7. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. But God was not satisfied just to give them a bunch of rules. He said, I'll give you rules so you can live with me, but ultimately I want to walk with you. So the purpose of the Ten Commandments uh, uh, in the highest sense is to give you rules, but as you fulfill those laws, and for us, we had to, you know, sacrifice because we erred, but Ultimately, he wanted to be present with us. He wants to be so present with us. God said, I'm not sending an angel. I myself am coming. I'm going to be Emmanuel, God with you. And then Jesus had to go back to the Father. He said, guess what? I really, I still want to be with you. I'm coming back again. Are you hearing me? So we could, I could be with you always with no limitations forever and ever. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them what? Light. God was whatever they needed for their situation. When the sun got hot, he said, I'll be a cloud. I'll be your umbrella. But at night when it gets cold, man, in the, in the desert, in the, my, my wife's country, man, it, it's, it's nice during the day. But at night, man, it gets bitterly cold. The, the temperature drops 20, 30 degrees. He said, listen, I'll be the fire and I'll be your warmth. I'll be whatever you need 24-7 winter, spring, summer, or fall, I will be a very ever-present help, what? In time of what? Trouble. He said, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. We get in trouble when we get ahead of God. The cloud was to be in front of the people. You need to let God lead you instead of just clean up after you. Are you hearing me? If you let God lead you more, there'd be less clean up. So the cloud went up front. He said, when I move, you move. But later he's going to say to Moses, when you move, I'll move. And you'll find a progression that in one season, son, when I move, you move. But then in another season, God said, I've been waiting for you to move. Then I will move. And we'll find this in this passage. He said, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front. We're not just moving with our best ideas. We are moving with God. 14.1. Then the Lord said to Moses, you see a shift here. Everything is, seems to be going okay. It's all digestible. You can kind of handle the direction of the Lord. But then suddenly there's a shift. God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back. Make an about face. And to the Israelites, this made absolutely no sense. God, you're telling me to go back from the place you led me from? Father, we traveled all of this journey. I mean, come on, did I do this for naught? Did I do this for nothing? All that walking? And we have to walk back to the place we came from? And encamp near Pi Harith, 
between Migdal and the sea. He explains, he, he kind of reiterates, they are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will what? Think. You see, already God's revealed his thoughts, but now he's about to reveal the devil's thoughts. You see, God knows everything. He knows the mind of your adversary. See, God did what he did because he knew what Pharaoh would do. It's the, the same mystery lies behind Calvary's cross. God understood that the devil would be a good devil. He understood the devil would do what the devil does. So he said, listen, Jesus, I'm going to pull back my hand. I'm going to let the devil do what the devil does. And the devil, see, the devil, as smart as the devil is, he doesn't come close to God. He had no idea what God was accomplishing through Calvary. He thought he had Jesus. So when God lifted his hand, he knew what the devil would do. And because he knew what the devil would do, he lifted his hand. And then the devil released a vicious tirade of hate. He beat him and, and pulled his beard and hung him high and, and bled him and, and, and reviled him, made fun of him. And it was awful. But because God knew what the devil would do, God did what he would do. But you see, in all of the devil's wisdom, he still didn't understand the mind of God. That all of those things were happening to bring about God's purposes. You see, on the third day, there was a rumble from the center of the earth. Are you hearing me? And Jesus came up from the grave with the, the keys of death and hell. And all authority was given unto him. The Bible says, though, if the princes of this world would have understand, they would understood, they wouldn't have crucified the Christ. And you see, some things God's doing in your life is not because of what you think. Sometimes it's to prove to others and deal with what they're thinking. Do you understand me? He says, Pharaoh will think, and I want to deal with this man's mind. He's going to think the Israelites are wandering around this land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. In my personal journey, I've discovered that when I feel the most confused, when I feel the most hard-pressed, when I feel the most hemmed in, it's a setup. God got me there because he knows what some fool out there is thinking. And in his wisdom, he takes the weakness of man to prove his strength. You'll find just when you think you got me. The devil will find just when he thinks he got you. God will work the greatest miracle. Amen. That you've ever, ever seen. Here they are at the Red Sea. This part of water is uncrossable for them. You have the mightiest nation in the world at that time. This is not just some mob that got mad. This is an organized, trained army. They have strategies. They, they don't just have, you know, clubs. They have chariots, spears, bow and arrows. They have all types of stuff. These boys have been training in warfare from children. And all that time, all these guys were doing were making bricks. They have no idea how to fight this. And when you find yourself in a circumstance that naturally it's impossible, that's when God says it's absolutely probable. You have to change your thinking. Man's impossibility becomes God's probability. I'm going to do it to the glory of God. He said, and I will harden 
Pharaoh's heart. If you remember last week's teaching, we discovered from the book of Exodus that when the children of Israel left Exodus with gold and silver and clothing, that it was because God gave them favor with their Egyptian holders. And the challenge with that is it's true. But this is why we're not just favorite word people. We read the whole Bible. Because that was a wonderful and powerful truth. But there's a chapter after chapter 13, 14. And in this chapter, we discover some other truths. That yes, primarily, when God wants to bless you, he'll use a person to bless you. But I want you to know that God, just like he has the ability to turn someone's heart towards you, he has the capacity based on his own wisdom to turn certain people's hearts against you. Paul said it this way, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. I know how to handle it when people hate me and I know how to handle it when people love me. I believe that God will get glory no matter the situation. Love, hate, are you hearing me? Turning your heart toward or against. You hearing me? In season, out of season. God's got me. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Did you catch that? God's saying, I'm going to make Pharaoh hate you. I'm going to leverage his own sin against him, and he's going to hate you. And you would think, Lord, if you love me, why would you ever permit someone to hate me? Jesus said what? Blessed are you when men revile you, hate you, speak all manner of evil against you. For that's the way they treated the prophets. Are you hearing me? It's a high thing. It's an honor when somebody hates you for the name of Jesus Christ. If you Google my name and only find good things, I'm probably a false prophet. Yeah, I've gone to talking too much. And I will harden. I'm going to do it. Now, his, the Bible says sin hardens the heart. Pharaoh committed enough sin that God said, I'm going to seal it. It's like, again, like jello. It goes in liquid. But after a while, God will freeze that thing. Boom, that's it. You're stuck in it. And that's, you got to be careful. Don't push God too far. I guess better, more than jello, more like ice. He'll freeze, he'll, he'll freeze it. And, and God said, listen, I, I, I've come to Pharaoh sweetly. I've come nicely. But, but listen, I'm Pharaoh. You're going to be past, your conscience is going to be seared. Pharaoh right now is a demon-possessed, maniacal, crazy man. I mean, come on, he, come on, half the nation's destroyed. Ten plagues, his, his oldest son dies, and the oldest son of everybody in the kingdom. And this man is so demonized, so deranged, that after all of those signs and wonders and miracles, he still pursues Moses. So you think you're dealing with a deranged person. You think you have some crazy people in your life. This man is demon-possessed, and he pursues the children of God. This may be hard to swallow, but some of your problems are God's plan. God intentionally decided to put the children of Israel into harm's way. He could have said, well, listen, you know, hurry up before the Egyptians catch you. Uh, you know, hurry up. I'm, I'm going to get you. No, he said, turn back and go in the direction of those only God knew were chasing you. God intentionally set them up for confrontation with evil. John chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus says something that would not be 
proper pastoral bedside manner. But Jesus is not some little silly preacher. He's God taken on flesh. Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, guys, I need you to man up about something. Lazarus is dead. The Bible says that Lazarus was a friend of God. Next time you sing, I am a friend of God. Keep this in mind. It might cost you something. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad. Now, now, come on. We're going to a funeral. Bishop's in the car. Pastor's in the car. And I turn to Ephraim. I'm glad that person died. I need you to get what was really going on in this moment. And there are times that we are crying. We are moaning and groaning before God. And God looks at you and says, I'm glad. That's some hard stuff, ain't it? He said, and for your sake, I'm glad he's dead. I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. So many of us are crying, oh, God, why? And God said, I am so glad about that situation you're in. He sees it from a different angle. God said to me this week, actually it was this morning. He said to me, son, you bring me so much pleasure. But I want some glory. You know, it's nice to be a good old Christian and please God. But glory is a completely different matter. I think in the weeks ahead, we'll spend some time on that. Let's get back to the text. He said, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through the man that hates you. Through the boss that hates you, through the relative that hates you, through the, 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 the wrong charges that come against you. Are you hearing me? I will gain glory. Well, God is saying to me, son, thank you. You please me. Yeah, but I want glory. I'm going to get you in some situations, boy, that people are going to write you off for dead. People are going to write you off as out. Are you hearing me? And when you get back up again, they're going to say that ain't nothing but God. Am I alone in this room? Listen, you know, in the outer court of the tabernacle is a place of petition. You see, in the Bible, Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. Most of those prayers are petitions. Lord, help me to forgive. Lord, give me some food. It's, it's, it's petitions. You see, most of us have learned the Lord's Prayer, but haven't learned to pray as the Lord prayed. You see... When Jesus spoke to the crowds, he would preach often or teach out-of-court truths. It wasn't until he got with the disciples that he would teach inner-court truths. You see, on the out-of-court, it's, you know, give me, you know, pay my bills, it's, it's, it's heal my body, Lord, help me forgive. But when you get into the inner court, the concern is not those types of petitions, it's the glory behind the veil. And in the early part of the Gospels, he, he teaches everybody, you know, how to get what you need, the Lord's Prayer. But when you get to John chapter 17, we watch how the Lord prays. And there's no petition about give me some food or, or, or help me to forgive. It's about the glory of God manifesting in the earth. See, I've come to a place of tremendous out-of-court blessing. I mean, the, cow, the, heart, the, the houses, the cars, the lack, I can God has shown me how to be successful. Listen, 
I passed through the outer court to go into the inner court. Now, at one point in my life, success was an important thing, but not anymore. When you get out of the outer court, it's not about success, it's about glory. It's about, Lord, take my life, what remains of it, next 45 years, and bring glory to your name through me somehow. And that's my cry. That's my prayer. Don't ever settle for success when God's called you to glory. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Let's get started. This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at gracechurchva.tv. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big. Back in the day, we danced to a hit song by Houdini. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, y'all remember that? A lot of years have passed, but the question is just as relevant today. First Samuel 18, 3-4 tells us, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, today, most people only love us as long as they can use us. But Jonathan loved David. Watch this as he loved himself. This was a ride-or-die type friendship that requires self-sacrifice, commitment, and loyalty. I've learned over the years a friendship can never be stronger than the character of the two people involved. You may be a great person, but if you befriend a snake, don't be surprised if you get bit. Good friendships are healthiest between good people. Never stop trying to be a good person just because some people have done you bad. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.